Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Growing Knowledge Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Cruz. And on this episode, we have Mr. Hendrix Peterson here. Hendrix, uh, why don't you just tell the folks a little bit about yourself and, you know, who the heck are you? Hi, everybody. I am the current Orange County Federation Vice President and the President of the Windermere FFA Chapter. Nice, nice. So a lot of what I know Hendrix for, and a lot of people know Hendrix for, is his forestry stuff. You know, you were on the cover of New Horizons for your involvement in forestry. And in the article, it kind of t- it tells us about, like, you know, how you got into it and you, what you do with that. Well, so why don't you tell the people who haven't read that article, you know, how'd you get into forestry and how did, you know, how did you start with your little operation you have going on? Okay, so it all kind of started back in sixth grade. It was the uh, first competition that got me into the FFA. Uh, I tried out for the forestry team and I, I really took a shine to it. Uh, throughout middle school, I really cared about it, really loved it, and grew to know more about the competition and the eventual career path down the road. And then I went to the new high school, uh, Whitman High School, it was built as a relief school for West Orange High School over here, for people who don't know, but it was a brand new chapter with brand new members who had not participated in forestry before. So I kind of decided to take the lead role in educating our CDE teams and that area out there it's very urban lots of neighborhoods lots of really no natural trees that should be around there so what I kind of started to do was create an SAE project that focused on forestry education and I started talking to people around me, and the, the county forester, uh, Dan Assessment, actually, was a big part in this, and we worked to create this land lab. It was a land lab that had upwards of 50 different native trees from the forestry CDE list, and we worked to get a grant for it. We were able to get about $1,000, and we worked with several different nurseries from across the state to uh, get these trees in to help start educating these teams. And we put, in, we put in a lot of good lot of good work into it, a lot of hours. We had volunteers come out, help plant the trees. Uh, it was all on donated land from our school. Uh, the area behind it was a retention pond area that we uh, planted these trees on according to their spacing and what they kind of needed. So this gave us a, a really good area for the teams to come out they could work on dendrology they can kind of see up close how these trees are going to look in the competition of course this was just only one part but it it was a beginning so Mm -hmm. and then later on down the road uh the new horizons were looking for unique sae projects so they had asked miss andrea stevenson if they had heard anybody from this area that was doing unique SAE projects and she sent them my way and at the beginning I was thinking oh you know I'll get mentioned in New Horizons I was I was ecstatic about it you know I was really ecstatic about the chance of even getting like you know like a footnote or something and the more we kind of talked with the interviewer and we talked to the head person of New Horizons they said well, we love what you're doing here and what the pro- 
project is about, we want to make this the cover, the cover article of the 2018 Winter Edition New Horizons magazine. And I was, when we found that out, we were over, over the moon, man. Yeah, over the moon completely. <laughs> But uh, it was a it was a really really unique opportunity. It was really cool. Uh, I I was really glad with how that article came out. It the whole point of the article was to kind of promote unique SE projects like across the country. You know that SE projects can be these different things and unique ways of showing what you love and that you can do it through the FFA. So. I was I was really glad with how they came out. So like how does that process work when they come out? Do they just send like cameramen and like a reporter and they like do like you go around to your SAE and they kind of just take notes and you give quotes and stuff like that? So um we had some emails back and forth kind of describing what I did, you know, uh the whole project and then we had a uh cuz they're out I can't, I can't remember where their place is out at, but it's not here. <laughs> yeah. So we had a, uh, a kind of like this, a conference call with an interviewer. So we kind of interviewed for about 30, 45 minutes, just talking about the SAE project, you know, everything about it, you know, SAE, SAE projects in general, where I'm from, you know, where I want to take forestry, stuff like that. And then after they got that, they flew a photographer out here. He was from Phoenix. And we did about three days of photo shoots around, you know, the SE project, kind of where I was teaching the team. You know, he sat in on a practice. Then we went to, uh, there's a place by the high school that is a nature preserve that we do a lot of our, uh, practices that and we actually do like mock, mock competitions there I'm sorry and uh, we went out there and took some pictures too so that that was a really cool experience that really was so the first time I met you in person was actually not at forestry camp it was actually at ag sales I don't know if you remember that but um the the the, the time I really got to meet you was at forestry camp and you know that was something Forestry Camp is something that I absolutely love, and I recommend it to anyone who's a Florida FFA member to go to Forestry Camp during the summer. Something, you know, even if you're not huge into forestry, it's definitely something where you can learn a lot and meet some really cool people and make some awesome friendships. And, you know, that's how I met Hendrix, really, and how we became friends. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, like, both the times you went to Forestry Camp and how much that and affected you and like your future career goals so forestry camp i i swear by it. it is one of my favorite experiences that i i have really ever been a part of it is one of my favorite places and the, uh, like you said the people you meet there you just meet these great people that become your lifelong friends i have friends from there that i still talk to to this day that what from like two, three years ago, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's really a rustic kind of camp where, you know, you're in cabins with no AC, you're uh, surrounded with six cabin mates on bunks, (laughs) 
kind of turns off a lot of people. From yeah, it's a hard life. sell, but. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely is. But once you're there, you know, you start talking to the forestry rangers and the foresters out there and you get split up into, well, they call them forests, but you're basically four different camp groups that go on these hikes and you go through and you learn all about the forestry industry and you learn about all about competition and dendrology and timber cruising. And they just really do an amazing job of breaking down everything that goes into forestry. And some of my great experience, my most favorite experiences there are talking to these career professionals who have just really done everything, you know. Before I went to forestry camp, I, I, I really liked forestry, but I didn't know if I'd, you know, find my career path in it or uh, really if that was what I wanted to do. I, actually, at the beginning, I wanted to be a vet, funny enough, as a lot of people do. Yeah. But, yeah. But I went in there and I, I started talking to these, these people, started asking them, you know, well, what does your job entail? What do, you, what do you do? What is your, you know, daily life like, uh, you know, out fighting these fires and, and doing prescribed burns and talking to industry people? And they said, you know, it's some of the best times of their lives going out in these fires, you know, saving people, saving property, saving places, really. I've talked to a lot of them who, for a lot of people who don't know, forestry rangers, they sign up for a draft, like a, like a six-week draft that they go on every summer. You know, if you get put into the draft, you'll fly out to wherever they need you. You know, you can go to California, Washington, you could go really anywhere. And just talking to them and hearing their experiences really showed me, like, this this is what I want to do with my life. I want to be involved in the forestry industry, and I really want to be a forestry ranger and work my way up, and you know, start working on a crew, and maybe work my way up to the you know running a crew, being a crew captain. So, I recommend forestry camp to anyone who has an interest in forestry, because you will learn so much just by being there. That week is one of the best weeks ever because all of the distractions are gone. You're in a beautiful state park with people who just know so much about forestry. And you honestly have a ton of fun once you get past the mosquitoes and the heat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely just an awesome time. The both times I went, I, you know, I, I won't forget those. And you know, I always tell people if you if you want something fun to do, but also something that's going to be memorable, definitely check out Forestry Camp. And you know, tr to kind of diverge away from the forestry talk, well, I have one more question before we leave. What is your favorite scientific name of a tree? Oh, that that is a hard one, but I think I'm gonna have to go with the sassafras's scientific name. Because you just, it was the first one I knew because it freaking has sassafras in it, you know? Yeah. That, that's just the first one I ever learned and kind of be my favorite till the end, you know? Mm hmm I think mine has to be sycamore. I like that. Planted, what is it? Planta, um, it's so long. Plantadensis uh, occidentalis or something like that. 
Yeah. I, I like to call it occasional plants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, to kind of go off the forestry talk into something else I wanted to talk to you about is your agro-science fair project and this cool new thing you're doing as another part of your SAE with um, – aquaponics is with fish, right? Or is hydroponics with fish? Uh, aquaponics is with fish. Okay, yes. that's what I thought. Big brain right here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so a little, bit, a little bit about your aquaponic project. Can you just give us, you know, what are you doing? What's the research about? What's the, what's the end goal? So um, to kind of explain what we're doing over at Windermere, so – we, we have a greenhouse that we've, we've been utilizing for a little bit, but we weren't use, utilizing that, it at its like max capacity. So we have a lot of members that were really driven and really interested in aquaculture. And, and that's one of my other passions, you know, the aquaculture CDE, you know, we love it. And I started thinking, well, how, how can we use this space for something better, you know, something for the future of our chapter? And since, since the beginning of Windermere FFA, we've been partnered with uh, UCF. And UCF has this project where every year they propagate mangroves. They'll propagate them in uh, little like kiddie pools, kiddie pools, and they'll use mosquito dunks. And then we'll prop propagate them, we'll plant them, and then we'll culture them up. And then we send them back to the college and then we go and plant them, you know, we go and plant them and help restore these uh, estuaries and mangrove forests that are being destroyed. And I, I saw that. And after we went to the aquaculture CDE last year, I started thinking, how could we kind of mix, solve two problems at once? You know, we, we had been culturing these mangroves, but more often than not, we would get more dead mangroves or stunted growth and they weren't really performing the way that I, you know, thought they should. So in our greenhouse, we kind of worked to create this plan to see, well, why can't we put aquaculture in here or aquaponics? Because that was obviously an interesting chapter. And let's kind of test to see if we can't, propagate these mangroves in a new kind of different way so immediately we kind of drawn up a plan and we started we started working you know we removed one of the racks out of the greenhouse kind of took that area kind of over and we started off with one aquaponic system or actually it was an aquaculture like production system from Pentair that we got ordered from the school that had been ordered a while back so we kind of set that up and we were kind of trying to figure out the logistics of it. And we got in contact with Eric Castellano. He is the, uh, let me look at his actual title, but he's over at the Tropical Research Lab Laboratory in Ruskin. So he came over, he actually drove down from Tampa, all the way from Tampa to come kind of look at, see what we were doing and see our kind of goal. So, we were doing and said well hey let's kind of plan this out let's draw up a good blueprint and let's kind of redesign how this tank works so we can start researching if we can culture these mangroves in a freshwater system which is the goal so we started work on one system probably about what beginning of this year and we completely completely redesigned it you know we 
completely designed how the water ran. We added row trays and uh, new uh, sump to help, you know, get enough water, get into where we need to get it. You know, we started putting in a lot of hours working on these tanks. And we got, we got one system running and we got some mangroves in it. And we decided, well, agri-science fair. You know, we've had people in agri-science fair who have made it to the national level. And we saw potential in this project to do that. So immediately, like immediately after we figured out, you know, we're going to put this in agri-science fair. We're going to test to see if we, culturing mangroves in a freshwater system is a viable way for environmental restoration. And then we immediately, you know, we got three more tanks. We started getting all these things for these systems. We started construction on this massive project, which was taking a lot of our time. Kind of falling in love with creating this research project. But we continued working and continued working. Eric came out a couple more times. And it was me and my partner, Bella Stramonson, who were putting in a lot of this work, you know, we were cutting holes in the bottom of tanks, rerunning the plumbing, rerunning the piping, we were fixing pumps, we were running electrical, you know, really working hard with our hands, which I, I firmly believe with that that is the best way to learn. You know, you will learn 10,000 times more with your hands and you, you know, than you can from seeing flashcards or reading a textbook. But we were working hard we got the three systems done we were able to get about 300 tilapia donated to our project and we were able to get about three months three to four months of research on our mangrove growth rates and it's about double what our before was our growth rates were double what they were in the kiddie pool so we were testing them against a control that was also in the greenhouse. We had three different control pods and then we had our three different 450 gallon aquaponic systems. So when you say system, what exactly does that entail? Like, what do you mean by like an aquaponic system? So aquaponic systems, depending on kind of their goal and how, the setup is and how you like it, they can be very different, but there are a bunch of different components. So our system basically, from you have a massive tank which houses your fish, right? Mm -hmm. So we had probably, if the number's correct, it was 67 tilapia in one tank, in one system, right? Mm -hmm. So that main tank's about 400 gallons. And then we have a overflow pipe, which mandates the level of the water for the fish so your water that the fish are breathing in there's a natural nitrite cycle right so as the fish live breathe you know they turn nitrate into ammonia mm -hmm. that ammonia can be toxic to the fish and can kill them so this water that has now been used by the fish overflows down through to the bottom of our tank and back into our sump. Our sump is where the solid gets filtered out and make sure that the pump always has water. So it would flow into our sump, cleans out your solids, goes through our, goes through our pump and gets shot up. And 
water flows in in aquariums and aquaponic tanks they have more than one path so you constantly have water flowing through we had constantly water flowing through three different cycles all at one time to make sure all parts of the system always had water so we had one flow that would go from the tank to the sump to the pump back into the tank we had one that would go from just the pump back into the sump to you know feed the pump to make sure it had water and then we had one channel that went to the grow tray so your grow tray is where our mangroves are sitting and that also led into our biofilter and as the fish create this ammonia and the ammonia water gets pumped up to the grow trays the mangroves naturally take that ammonia and turn it into nitrite and then nitrate and then the bacteria that are in the system are a beneficial bacteria they're in the biofilter and around throughout the system take that also nitrite and ammonia and turn it into nitrate which is good to the fish so that's kind of how all your filtration works for the system and the basic premise is you're using what the fish are naturally giving off to feed the mangroves and the mangroves are, are not feed, but to help give better nutrients to the mangroves and the mangroves are serving as a filter to give back to the fish. That's really cool, bro. Like, honestly, I was listening to that and I was like, holy cow, that's, <laughs> that's really cool. So like, okay, so you have the grow trays and then how do you, do you just measure it off like height or like how many new like like leaves or stems they have growing? Is that usually how you measure your data? So we would take kind of the whole height of the mangroves and from where, so mangroves are weird as in they don't come in seeds. They're a propagal, if I can't pronounce that word very well, but it's basically kind of looked like a very long green bean, but off the propagal, is where sprouts its new stem. So we'll, gr- we'll take the measurement from the butt of the propagal and see where all the new growth comes from. So we'll me- we'd measure that, you know, maybe two times a week. It'd either be like two times a week, once a week, two times a week, just to make sure we have the numbers and we're tracking our growth rates. And heck, we measured every single mangrove in the system which got up to what? About 76 mangroves in the system. So there was a lot, there was a lot of work, a lot of time put into it, you know? Yeah, I bet it sounds like a lot. So this question's kind of just to wrap this up part, but this, this part about um, talking about your aquaponics system, but you know, what, what would you like to change or do you have any plans to add any more factors or conduct any more research, whether it be like changing, you know, the type of fish you use or maybe changing the trees, you know, whatever it may be. Have you guys thought about uh, maybe changing it or adding in more variables to kind of get more results in data? Oh, definitely. We, we have some major plans on kind of supersizing this project. You know, kind of depending how AgriScience Fair goes this year, we're going to really put in a lot of manpower towards this research because after researching what we're doing, 
we kind of realized we're really the only people doing research on culturing mangroves aquaponically in a freshwater system and mm -hmm. seeing if that's a, a viable way. Actually, UF was doing a write-up on us there for a little bit about what we were doing. So we're going to try to work to make this research mean something, as in whether that's getting published or, or working to create where we have, you know, six tanks running, you know, six grow beds and six, we also culture them the pipes, I forgot to mention. And we have like six grow trays and six pipes, you know, or we could test, you know, fresh water versus brackish water since that's their natural habitat. You know, we, there, there's a lot of different roads that we could test and all that research could do a lot of good, not only in Florida, but around the world, you know? Mm -hmm. So you, you kind of talk about this good that it could do, like, could you like kind of elaborate more on that? Cause you know, when I'm, when I hear you like talking all about this, the like question that kept popping into my head was like, how could, how is this research going to be applied in like a real world setting? Cause I was trying to figure out, you know, like, are they going to try to figure out a way where they can use the mangroves to, for landscaping or whether it be for, you know, to restore habitat, whatever that may be. So yeah, sorry. I kind of rushed over that part, but I will, <laughs> I, I will. So, mangroves are a very, very important plant to the Florida coastline ecosystem. The mangrove forests and mangrove estuaries are kind of your starting point for a lot of Florida sport fish, bait fish, you know, the natural occurring sea life that we get all around our coast come from these estuaries and mangrove forests. and through, you know, natural progression of, you know, people kind of deforesting these mangrove forests and through the, sh the shrimping industry and a, a lot of different factors playing that are killing these mangrove forests. And once they're gone, they're pretty much gone. You know, it destroys the coastline, those, those bait fish and those baby sport fish and and all these different animals that come from the mangrove and depend on the mangrove for their sanctuary have nowhere to go mm -hmm. and our kind of goal is to see this research be used either when people you know aquaponically grow fish for food or or shrimp for food you know in these systems commercially or residentially there's a lot of residential aquaponic systems where people could work with colleges to get mangroves to incorporate them into their systems to where we're not only you know culturing these fish but we're also culturing a endangered species that can go then back into the wild where we can help to restore the environment that's being destroyed you know mm -hmm. so yeah try to help preserve you know mangroves and you know if you ever need to like transplant or fix you know whatever it may be 
like that's okay i i get what you mean now like it it yeah. all makes a lot it makes sense now but uh i i i am i am nowhere near this field you know i'm i'm doing yeah. a lot of research in you know the problems that we're facing and how we can fix and best help these mangroves you know mm-hmm. and I'm actually working right now to try to further my own knowledge in aquaponics and uh, coastal wildlife so I can help, you know, better help this research, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it definitely is really cool. Like, like I only kind of knew the generic info, like I'm from, I remember you telling me, but now that you've gone into detail and like throwing all these cool and big words at me, it's definitely a lot cooler <laughs> than I thought. And, uh, but yeah, man, that's really awesome. I'm really happy for you. That's really cool. Um, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I could talk about it all day. I, I love it to pieces. You know? Yeah, I, dude, I, I thought I was sitting in like a natural resource lecture when you're up there, bro. I was like, okay, Dr. <laughs> Peterson up here teaching Dr. us about Peterson. natural resource and the coastline wildlife. That's yeah. It was really cool, bro. I, I really do appreciate that. Um, to kind of, you know, go on to the next topic that I kind of want to talk about is, you know, the, this global pandemic that's happening right now with COVID-19 and it's affecting a lot of things. And one thing it's affecting is education. And, you know, this is an agriculture podcast and something I'd like to talk about and kind of get pick your brain about as you know, you are an agriculture teacher's kid and you are involved in agriculture education. How do you see, or how have you seen agriculture education be affected by virtual learning? Do you think it's a positive thing? Do you think the two can, you know, coexist and work? Um, what, what are your kind of takes on that? Overall, in agricultural education, you know, all this has been unprecedented, but I've seen a lot of good from agricultural teachers and agricultural students alike. I've seen a lot of good effort from people trying to stay connected and work with each other to not only educate themselves, but educate each other. And I've also seen a lot of great perseverance, I will say. I've seen a lot of great perseverance, not only from at the state level to our county level. I've seen, you know, just people sticking together to kind of serve each other keep each other safe you know mm-hmm. while still working and advocating for what they love so do you think that with this happening people are going to see or find ways that agriculture education can be i guess not more effective but you know definitely the use of in, uh, te- technology and online learning into agriculture education into the future do you think we'll definitely see more involvement with that coming into the future so like sorry that was like a really rambly question what i'm getting at is uh i I understand uh, Um, yeah like yeah you get me you get me big brain big brain i I got you i got you (laughs) um i think i don't think education will be the same after this I would de- I think we'll definitely see a lot more digital methods being used in the classroom. I also think for FFA chapters, I think we're going to see a lot more digital digital advocacy. I'm, I feel like we're going to see a lot more chapters be online 
know, with Instagram pages and, and all these different resources that we're now learning, like Zoom calls and, you know, I think video chat, like video chat practices are going to be an even bigger thing because people are all learning how to use these and these resources are only going to be used you know, in the future to further how we do things, you know, make it better. And uh, I think, I think right now it's not what we wanted. It's, it's not in any way how we thought the year was going to go out, but I think what we can learn here will benefit us in the long run. Yeah, definitely. I re- I liked how you put that. That was, that was really good. And I definitely agree with you. It's like, this is def uh, how this is going to, you know, change everything. And we're going to see the adaptment of more technology and the more use of online learning, whether it be through zoom or Google classroom, whatever it may be. I definitely mm-hmm. can see what you're talking about. Um, you know, the, that was kind of all the points I wanted to talk to you about. So, you know, usually I let this time to kind of let my guests talk about whatever they want to talk about or, you know, shout people out, whatever what's on their mind. So, you know, go ahead, yeah. use your time, whatever you want to talk about or shout about, go ahead. So if I could kind of leave this podcast with one thing, I, I would like to say, you know, don't waste this time. There is so much to do right now. And there is a lot and a lot of, unknown in the world but the one thing that you know and everybody else knows is we all have the same time we have the same amount of hours in a day we have this time to dedicate towards the things we love right now i have been doing a lot of work not only you know to applications and ffa but working to become more digitally savvy so I could start advocating for the things I love. I've also been working around my house with my family. As with our lives, our lives are so busy. And to forget, let's make sure we're using this time to not only better ourselves, better our families, but better the world around us. Yeah, that was really, that was really well said, bro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh no i really do appreciate it man and we we finally got we finally pinned each other down and we're able to record a con- uh, podcast and dude it, this was a blast i had a lot of fun this is definitely one of my favorites and uh i can't wait to put it out there and i can't wait i hope you guys really enjoyed it because i know i did um oh yeah I, would you like to was, oh go ahead go ahead no this was this is a great experience i i loved i loved being um, here I, I really did yeah um but uh would you like to you know plug yourself at all like i don't know if you like want to throw your you know your instagram or any of that out there or like anything else you'd like to plug oh yeah um if if you'd like to follow me you can go ahead and follow me at it's at hendrix paterson on instagram i'm very creative but uh you can follow me there and you can see kind of the stuff i've been doing through ffa and if you have, I don't know, any, any questions or, uh, you know, anything you loved about the podcast, feel, feel free to, you know, hit me up on there. Uh, 
other than that, yeah. Well, I really do appreciate it, man. And uh, I know I definitely enjoyed this episode. Uh, Guys, thanks for listening. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. And I'll see you guys in the next one.